Welcome to Orioles on the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And we are going to get into part two of our interview with Danielle Allentuck and Andy Koska of the Baltimore Banner. Andy and Danielle joined us earlier this week to discuss the Orioles offseason, some of the news that affects the franchise on the field and off the field going forward. This episode is going to focus strictly on the stuff that's going to take place on the field, including some of the big battles in camp this spring. And I'll just dive in with what I think is the biggest question concerning the Orioles roster right now, which is what are Jackson Holiday's chances of making the opening day roster? So I, I think that I think differently than most people. Um, I, I think he is on this team by the all-star break. I think he's even there by June. I think that they probably will send him down the AAA for a little bit, whether it's a couple weeks, whether it's a month and a half. Um, I think that he had very minimal experience there. and Maybe he doesn't need more. Maybe the team sees that he's ready. But I think that he'll pop up later in the season and we'll see like a Mateo or Ramon um, make this roster out of spring training in his place. That is the the prudent answer. Uh, it's probably the correct answer. Uh, I, I think uh, I think he's making this team out opening day. I think he's starting at second base. Uh, why not? You know, he's he's an unusual talent. Why not have an unusual path to the majors? Uh, he's he's next. You know, this this kid is next level. Um, it just talk to him, and, and it doesn't seem like a twenty year old. Uh, you know, he plays the game at a at a very high level. Um, I know Danielle has talked to. You know, people that saw him when he was a kid, you know, and, and she knows that, yeah, like he's been in a clubhouse for eons. So uh, I, I do I do think, uh, you know, Jackson is part of this team at opening day. Uh, maybe that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, it, it could be better for his development if he has another 100 at bats or whatever, maybe probably less, but, um, you know, a triple A. But um, I, I think you just you kind of throw him in the water. And, and see what happens and, and give him give him starts at the major league level and, and hope that yeah he might bat ninth and, and maybe he's not going to hit all that well but I just I don't think his confidence is necessarily going to be rattled if anything if he struggles um, I think it'll just you know it'll light a fire in him to be even better uh, you know you, you worry sometimes about um, you know like a, you know think of Colton Kowser you know coming up and, and struggling and you kind of worry about like oh is it going to affect affect him um, you know, I, I think you know the offseason was was great for Colton, and, and he's going to figure it out in twenty twenty four. But for Jackson, I don't I don't think you know a, a starting one hundred, you know, at the major league level is necessarily going to affect him, um, especially with with how good the team is around him. I, I don't know necessarily if you're that worried about the drop off of a Jorge Mateo batting instead of you know a, a Holiday. I mean, at best, Jorge Mateo is probably hitting two twenty. Um, so is it is it really you know worth that? uh that difference there maybe uh that's why i i talk about the team and, and don't manage the team but uh i i think it would it'd be pretty amazing to see him make the team and i, I think it's a pretty good chance to it's funny right um what three four years ago before the newest agreement between the owners and the players association no doubt he's not starting the year on the opening day roster because you're going to gain that extra year of control but now it's like do you Start him in AAA, forfeit his right to win a Rookie of the Year bonus pick, a la Gunnar Henderson, and then have the potential that he comes up, lights the world on fire anyway, wins it, and you come home with nothing versus you forfeit the extra year of control and you try to allow him to try to get you that 
that bonus pick. Do you think, first of all, I don't know where I'm going with this, but the, the, the Orioles schedule is seemingly very easy in the first six weeks. So between the, the uh, bonus pick potential and the easy schedule to kind of ease them in, Danielle, am I changing your mind? No, and for one reason, and I've written this multiple times, and I've said it out loud multiple times, I don't think the Orioles are bringing him up until they are 1,000% confident that he is ready to start every day defensively and offensively, and that there is nobody who could play it better than him at that moment. I mean, they're not bringing him up to sit on the bench. They're not bringing him up to platoon with somebody. They're bringing him up when he is an everyday starting, probably second baseman on the scene. So... I think it has more to do with they're waiting for that exact moment um, and less to do with the other outside factors. And it could be opening day. Like, I could be wrong. He could come into camp and blow everybody's socks off and prove that he's ready right now and doesn't need that actual AAA time. But um, I think if you just look at the way the Oils have done with their other prospects, I, I just expect them to need a little bit more time there from their point of view. Totally fair. Just to jump in and, and play devil's advocate on this other side. I mean, last year at spring training as a 19 year old, this man was so smooth defensively, uh, like so smooth. Uh, I, I yeah, think training results don't, don't mean anything. I'm sorry. I, I think, I think if he, if he blows, like blows him out of the water in spring training, why, why not have him on the team? So, I mean, you're probably right. Michael Elias is, 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 is a little bit more like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, have, proven results in, in, you know, minor league games that, that matter instead of spring training games. But uh, he impressed everybody as a 19 year old. He's a year older. Uh, I think he'll, I think he will somehow shock everybody, even though the expectations are through the roof already. Certainly going to be an exciting storyline to follow starting next week when the position players arrive. But with D.O. Hall going in the Corbin Burns deal, which we talked about days ago. Thank you, guys by the way uh for coming back a couple days later i hope you guys have done well in the intervening days but uh with dl hall going into corbin burns deal the orioles are left with the spot in the back end of their bullpen does it seem more likely that someone who would otherwise be on the outside looking in will now make the opening day roster or should we expect them to bring someone in from the outside between now and opening day to kind of fill that role I mean, I, I honestly don't know at this point. I think that they have enough options that they could pull from where they don't necessarily need to. I could see them maybe more going to get like some depth bullpen help. Um, maybe somebody they can stick in the minors and bring up at some point, or maybe that'd be somebody who is penciled in now and makes the bullpen who they would stick in the minors to start and then bring them back and forth for his options. Um, I, I think that to me is now a big question mark going to spring training, and I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, it's a it's a question. Yeah, it's a question. Um, I would imagine they have the the pieces internally that they don't necessarily need to go out and get somebody. Um, what you have eight relievers um, probably. Um, I think we could we could rattle off relievers right now that make make the team uh, if you wanted to. But yeah, I, I think they have the pieces internally, especially with the Dylan Tate coming back, that you feel pretty good about um, as long as he's healthy. Uh, that you feel pretty good about. The back end of the bullpen, especially if Tyler Wells doesn't doesn't make the rotation, which you know, again, as I, as I said a couple of days ago, that you know, I, I think Tyler Wells is um, a candidate for the rotation and, and can push push for it. Uh, but if he doesn't, if he makes the bullpen, uh, that's another late inning arm that you feel really confident in. So they have the they have the options, but I'm sure if, if a guy pops up for 
a reasonable price, uh, you know, a, a trade, you know, cash consideration trade, whatever it might be, Michael Elias would jump at it and, and make sure that um, he does his due diligence there. I mean, we saw it with Danny Kulo work to perfection. Before Nick goes to his next question, let me list the relievers real quick because it's gonna it's gonna play into it. Uh, I see nine relievers for eight spots: um, Craig Kimbrell, Yanir Cano, Tyler Wells. I guess you know, competing for starter as well. Cole Irvin, Danny Coulomb, Jacob Perez, uh, Jacob Webb, Cianel Perez, Mike Bauman, Dylan Tate, and I believe only. And there's also Keegan Aiken. Um, he still exists. Uh, not many options there. Would you consider uh, Bruce Zimmerman or Nick Vespi? Vespi, yes. Did you say Mike Bauman? I did. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Bauman, Bauman, I think, is in the bullpen. But uh, I think there's also a couple other names. Yeah. Some of these non-roster invites we might see That's uh, true. come into the picture too. That's true. Wanda and Charles could could be. I mean, that fastball is elite. Uh, you know, very very fast. Um, he just has to throw strikes. Or, you know, that reminds me of, of other players. Brian Baker, yeah. too. Yeah, Brian Baker uh, has an IPA named after him. Has to be good. So Yep, yep. A lot of those guys, though, don't have options. I think we might have touched on this earlier, but Aiken, I'm actually not sure. I feel like we've had a lot of conversation about Aiken not having an option. Fangraph says he does. I'm going to trust Fangraphs, I guess, for right now. Um, it's got to be the only but, reason he's still here. <laughs> Guys like Jacob Webb doesn't, Michael Bauman doesn't have the option. If you know Tucker Davidson comes back and makes the team, some of those uh, NRIs that are, are coming into camp, if they happen to make the team, a few of those guys don't have options. Do you think that, do you think these guys are, no, the Orioles are like, we're confident in Bauman and we're going to roll with some of these guys and it's not an issue? Or do you think that makes it more of a pressing issue to make some sort of move over the next couple of weeks? I, I don't necessarily. You yeah, I was just going to say, I don't necessarily think so, just because DFAs exist for a reason. Um, and unfortunately, when you're a bullpen arm, that's just sort of the life that you live. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, some of these, it's a little bit of a revolving door uh, with, with you know, as as you get deeper into the bullpen, I mean, this is kind of the life they live. And it, it's, it's you know, it's, it's tough. But um, yeah, I, I think there's no reason Bauman can't make the opening day roster. Um, and a lot of these guys are on really team team friendly deals that they're probably not afraid to to DFA somebody. So, um, yeah, I, I think I don't know if that plays too much of a fact in it uh, factor into it. Maybe if there's injuries, you know, somewhere, or if they need to, you know, shift guys around because of fatigue later in the season, that can be a little bit trickier. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see. I think for, at least for some Orioles fans, there's a little bit of a surprise that Ramon Arias is still with the team, given the number of infielders that the Orioles have, the fact that he's now arbitration eligible, making a little bit more money and only a year removed from a gold glove. At this point, is Arias part of the Orioles plan solidly for 2024? Or is there still a chance that maybe he's moved some point early in the year or maybe in camp if they feel like one of their other young infielders is ready to take the step up to the major leagues. I wouldn't rule I wouldn't rule it out necessarily to have a have a move. It would it would really take a phenomenal spring from Kobe Mayo and Jackson Holiday probably to make it a, a reality. Uh, but I think he the fact that he has such great defensive versatility and you can pretty much trust him to hit I think two sixty five last year, but you know at least two fifty, you know, he the floor is 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 pretty good for Ramon Arias. So I 
I, I don't necessarily agree with the train of thought that you have to get rid of a guy like that. I think he's a great asset for a team. And, you know, he has a lot of experience and, you know, you, you cannot have you cannot have a team full of rookies at the same time. So you do need some experienced guys. And, and Ramon is, is, is a good guy in the clubhouse, too. I do think his versatility is really what will save him. Um, Hyde has said, um, especially at shortstop, which I know Ramon doesn't play very often, but he can play it, um, that they do value uh, your defense there more than anywhere else. It's the reason why Mateo ended up being on the team for all of last year instead of getting options. So I think that's his saving grace, um, that he can play high caliber defense and also be suitable at the plate. So I, I – think unless they really, really, somebody forces their way through, um, I think even if Holiday's on a team, there's a good chance Ramon will be too. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I do see a comment, sorry to derail you guys, but I do see a comment saying, trade Santander. And I just, I, I, I wonder, like, what is the, you know, in, in your opinion, I, I don't think there's any reason to trade Anthony Santander. I mean, he's your best power hitter from both sides of the plate, you know, just about. And the fact that he is a solid defender too in right field. I, personally, I don't see any reason to trade Anthony Santander entering the, the final year of you know team control. Uh, just opening that to you guys. Absolutely. Extend I mean, him. I would. I mean, you could extend him for a small deal, but to me, it's the perfect qualifying offer candidate because if he accepts it, great. You get a a power hitting switch hitter at you know basically league average free agency rate for one year. How often can you do that? And if he declines it, you get another draft pick if he signs elsewhere. Yeah, at exactly. this point, if, oh god, I was just, if you were going to trade him, like you would have traded him last year. Now you're yeah. trading a, a rental. Like his value is going to be pretty low, and like this, it's World Series or bust now. I feel like for the Orioles. Um, so I, I've become a. We waited so long. I don't know how many. It was like six years, five, six years. He was on this roster, and you know, finagling the Rule Five roster requirements, the injuries, and the COVID year, and it was just. You saw flashes, and then now the last two years, the man's exploded. And uh, I love having that bat in the middle of this lineup. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. You, ask, you ask the questions now. You guys ask. good. Well, you need to practice. It's a bit, we're a little rusty from the offseason, you know? We have to get yeah. back in the groove of asking questions. Spring training for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, if Jorge Mateo, the other infielder everyone wants to get rid of, shows he can play a capable center field to become more of a super utility player, how valuable would that be to the Orioles as far as managing the bench? It would be huge. Yeah, I mean, it would it would open them up to feel comfortable with Heston Kerstad and and Colton Kowser on on the roster as well. I mean, it would it would really allow them to have a capable center fielder, um, you know, to to have just incredible range speed wise, but we did see last year uh, had the tenants. He, he could make the incredible and then also make the incredible blunder. <laughs> so we did see both in center field in the, in the brief experience that he did have. Um, but yeah, if he, if he could prove to be a, a, a you know, replacement level center fielder um, when Cedric needs the off, you know, the, the irregular off day um, it, it opens it basically guarantees him a roster spot in my opinion and and then also frees up the rest of this orioles bench to to add some more power and probably corner outfield potential a colton can play center a little bit too but um and austin hayes as well so it's not like dire straits here but uh you, I, I do think it helps so much 
I, I think if we see that, if that is one of the outcomes of spring training, then I think Heston Kirkstead makes this team over Colton Kowser because Colton Kowser is the better defensive outfielder. And Heston, um, at least last year, was not quite trusted in the field yet. Um, I'm intrigued to see what defensive uh, improvements he's made in the offseason and during spring training. But I think that Heston's bat has a bigger upside in Colton's at this point in his career. And I would mean Heston would make the team and Colton would go back to AAA. Yeah, that's I know that's one storyline. I'm anxious to see how this outfield plays out. And Ken Kowser and Kirstad both make the major league roster. But um speaking of competitions though, do you guys see we know for the most part when teams go to spring, very few roster spots, not 26 men roster, are actually up for grabs. But do you guys see what do you guys see as the real competitions for opening day roster coming into spring training? So I mean I think infield, um has probably two spots up for grabs, outfield maybe one. Um, I think, and then I think bullpen. I think Tyler Wells is on the team. It's just a matter of where he is. And I think obviously catchers that um, your other starter candidates are pretty set. It's just all a matter of where they end up. Yeah, I kind of go along with that. I think the only, the, the main question for the only starting position that I think is up for grabs would be second base, Slash third. I mean, it could be Jordan Westberg at second or third, uh, potentially. And I and think Jordan Westberg makes the team no matter what. Right. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. So uh, maybe second or third for him. And then you have the opening of, of maybe it's a Rhea starting at third. Uh, maybe it's Jackson Holiday starting at second with Westberg at third, uh, Gunner at third, and Mateo at shortstop. I mean, you could have different configurations here, but uh, I kind of feel like the guys at least are set with with holiday as a big question mark whether whether he you know is included in that mix um then the you know the outfield you know the starting three outfielders and then it just kind of comes down to whether you have a, a fourth even a fifth i mean you could technically have a fifth outfielder too if 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 you feel like it but um yeah it's, it's mostly backups at this point and and, and you know back end bullpen guys it's easy to forget ryan o'hearn exists as well after the year he had last year is is he just firmly like uh on the bench dh uh, D yeah dh bench uh, i would imagine um you know splitting time with mount castle at, at first with with whoever not playing can play in uh can play dh over and can play corner outfield if you need him to in a pinch um i'd imagine i mean his last last year was so good <laughs> so uh, unless he shows something completely different uh there's no reason for him not to be uh, a fixture on this team again what would have Westberg. to happen? Go ahead. I, I was going to use this as an opportunity uh, if, for like Andy to wax poetically about Jordan Westberg uh, because I, I, I'm not going to say I was skeptical. I wasn't skeptical of, of him as a prospect. It was. It just seemed like if they were going to make a trade, it was going to be Westberg like a year or so ago at this point. Um, but Westberg came up and like he – he didn't really have the highs or the lows. He was kind of even keel in that pro debut, played well. He's very strong defensively. We know personality-wise what type of, of person he is. You're having some of the minor league coordinators like Tim DeJean on the show before, the way they talk about Jordan Westberg as a person is just it's mind-blowing. Um, what can we – where do you think we'll see the biggest improvements in Westberg's game this year? Uh, it has to be power just because of how – low the power was in 65 games or whatever we played uh three home runs 
um ops of like maybe 714 or around there but um at least i think it was um i i do think you know he will make a, a boost in power i mean you saw triple a you know 15 18 home runs whatever it was at you know triple a the other the other part of the season he has it in his locker uh tremendous bat to ball skill um his average e exit velocity of 90.2 last year uh was was good i mean like that's that's a above average exit you know average exit velocity and you have to like you know you have to like that you know not a huge amount of swing and miss um you know walked at a decent rate uh I, I think he's he's going to be a long time major league player maybe not a, a super standout you know maybe he makes a couple all-star teams would, would would be great for him but you know i, I don't think he's you know going to be Gunnar henderson level but i think he is a, a very capable big leaguer who deserves a starting place for for quite a long time um yeah i just i think he did too much well last year to to really consider too much of a step back and i think the, the thing that he can improve on and he knows he can improve on is power because he, he did it in, in the minor leagues uh did it at mississippi state um and you know it's of course way more difficult to do it as a right-handed hitter at cayman yards so i do not expect uh huge power numbers or anything like that but you know, maybe some more extra base hits into that huge left field corner over there. I've always said he's like the infield version of Austin Hayes. I kind of stand by that. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a that's an apt. Yeah. And if he is, I mean, that's a great that's a great person to be. Who wouldn't want to be an Austin Hayes uh, caliber player? Uh, Hopefully, you know, stays healthier. Player. Yeah. And without the two year dip off, return to the majors story. Oh, that he yeah, fair. Okay, we'll take back with it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, Austin is a very reliable player. And so, yeah, I think you can rely on Jordan Westberg to be a, a bit, you know, a, a major leaguer this year that starts a 120 games probably for the, for the O's, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Um, who knows? I think he, you know, can definitely be a, a big part of this team. We've talked a lot about how crowded this infield mix is coming into camp and, while at least on paper it kind of looks like a long shot for both either of these guys to make the opening day roster, is there any chance that Connor Norby or Kobe Mayo pull off a surprise and end up on the opening day roster? I would say Kobe Mayo probably over Nurby. Um, I I think it'd be really hard for him to make the opening day roster. I don't think that it's out of the question. Um, I just think with how much depth they have in his infield. Um, I, I think he would probably need an injury at this point or just like an amazing, spectacular spring training where they, they give him, he gives him absolutely no reason to say no to him. But I, I do think we'll see him this year. I think we'll see him, you know, midway through. He'll be a call up maybe June, July. Um, but I think it's going to be really challenging for both of them to make it out of camp. Yeah, I think it, it'll be more of a, a long shot for Connor Norby, even though he had what, 293 in AAA, a full season in AAA, some, you know, around there. So definitely a phenomenal year last year. I just think his path might be more difficult with without being able to play um, as many positions. Can play in the corner outfield too, uh, but second base primarily. Um, Kobe Mayo can play third um, really, you know, very well. Um, first base if he needs to um, and, and probably do it as a, you know, decent first baseman. And then who knows? I mean, guys can learn corner outfield a little bit too. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if 
either of them this year will break through out of spring training. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think Kobe Mayo is a huge future, um, huge amount of power, even for a right-handed hitter at Camden Yards. That can be difficult, but there, there's still yeah, there, there's still a lot of power to be had there. And his versatility, being third base or first base, I mean, who, who knows exactly the long-term future of you know Ryan O'Hearn after this year? You might not, he not, might not be on the 2025 roster. Then you like having Kobe Mayo, even though they both are right-handed batters, Mountcastle and Mayo. Uh, but there's there's definitely options for him being a long-term Oriole. I just, yeah, I don't necessarily see it uh, out of spring training this year. Unless he completely mashes the ball 40,000 times and then he forces his way onto the roster. I mean, that's possible, too. Very good chance he could do that. Um, for me, personally, I would take that cushiony opening six, five, six weeks of the schedule combined with the the good starting pitching staff. I'd do Kobe Mayo. Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday, infield with uh, Jordan Westberg, super utility guy, could play left field, third base, second base, but I know that's not going to happen. Um, last year at spring training, uh, it was a surprise Jackson Holiday got a spring invite at all, and then he stuck around so long, longer than I think anyone would have imagined him to do so. This year, the Orioles have invited a top 20 prospect in baseball that's a teenager still to spring training, Samuel Basayo. Is he this year's Jackson Holiday? Is he going to stick around a little bit and get like some actual playing time in the spring? Or is he going to be, you know, we need so many catchers. As soon as we cut X amount of pitchers, he can go right back down to minor league camp. I think he is probably not there quite as long as Jackson Holiday. I think he's somewhere in the middle there. Um, they love him. They love his upside. Uh, they love his potential. They want to see him improve a little bit. Um, his catching skills, um, and he made a lot of progress last year when he was in double-A. But I think he's going to be, you know, paired up with Adderley and James McCann all spring. I think he's going to be working with the Orioles' top pitchers. Um, they see a huge future in him. They're kind of counting on him. Uh, James McCann has one year left um, on the seal. I think they're kind of counting on Samuel Baseo being ready when James McCann is gone to kind of take over as either the backup catcher or – some other role for 2025. And I think this spring is kind of when they're going to be testing out where his abilities are and they can really count on that. Yeah, you can mess around with him too at a little bit of first base, a little bit of DH in, in spring. So don't put as much strain on forcing him to catch, you know, not inning games or things like that. Um, but yeah, I think he's, you know, bright future, as Danielle said, they love him. Um, and there's no real harm in having him up for this long, I think it's only gonna it's only gonna help his his future. Uh, it will be really interesting to see just how he meshes in in a clubhouse. Uh, you know, because Jackson obviously had kind of grown up in a clubhouse, so came with an advantage as a young guy. This is a 19 year old who didn't grow up in a in a major league clubhouse. Um, has been in clubhouses his entire life, though, so it's kind of the same thing. But uh, yeah, I think he's he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch, and and I think. Uh, you know, he's he's not going to make the opening day roster, but, uh, you know, could be a guy that, you know, as Danielle said, kind of takes over as that backup catcher slash DH slash first baseman in a couple of years. Real quick, on the other end of the spectrum, Andy, who's this year's Reed Garrett? Who are you stomping for <laughs> to make the bullpen? Oh, man, I was a big uh, I was a big Reed Garrett guy. Uh, last <laughs> and who year. was the other guy that? Ended up with Milwaukee or something. Uh, Ed Edward Bizardo. Yes, yes, um, that's right. 
I still am a Bozardo guy, man. He, he's he good, had, man. He's good. He was good. And I think he's going to be an asset for Seattle. I think he's with Seattle now. And that's right. Count him I down, think that's man. right. He's, he, he's, uh, Bizarro has stuff. Uh, I was, I was a big fan of him. Uh, just watching, watching his bullpen sessions and watching him work. Uh, obviously the, the guys that know a little bit more than me, uh, decided not to have him on the roster. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is, but, um, uh, I don't know who's going to be, I don't know who's going to be the, this year's, uh, Reed Garrett. Um, uh, you know, I, I take a couple days to, to watch bullpen sessions. Uh, I am all in on the one seam fastball that, that Nick Vespi has, has, you know, introduced. And so maybe I'll be stopping for Nick Vespi, but, uh, you know, Juanison Charles could be a really intriguing guy with his, his four seamer, his so much life, uh, you know, just the, you know, he, he, you know, it depends on if he can throw strikes, but I think that that four seamer is very interesting and, and you love a guy that has high velocity. So maybe he is in there. Um, who knows? Uh, you could you could also have a uh, you know a resurgent for Brian Baker that you know shows that last year was a bit you know a huge an anomaly and he can get back to his best. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of fringe bullpen arms right now uh, that could you know show up and have you know great uh, great times. Uh, do you well comment there thoughts on Ronald Guzman I guess that could kind of lead to Danielle if looking at the NRI list um, or maybe some under the radar names is there anybody that stands out to you as intriguing that you're anxious to to get eyes on this spring and talk to this spring I mean Andy's brought him up a couple times but I'm really interested in talking with Charles this year and he has kind of been an under the wire guy um, to me he could be kind of the next Cano, you know, kind of the guy who comes out of nowhere um, and has a standout year if they can just kind of get him under control a little bit. Um, I personally, I mean, this is my first spring training with Orioles. I had been in Colorado for a couple of years. So I'm really excited to see these prospects in person because um, most of them I've never met. I've never watched play. Um, and then I also think I've kind of, you know, I've heard so much about them from talking to coaching staff and other people in the organization. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see what they look like in person and the improvements that they've made from last year. And Ronald Guzman, just to like quick jump on that comment. Uh, a very fascinating guy. Uh, former first baseman now throws 98 uh, plus. Why not? Maybe, maybe you can hit some dingers too and become the next Shohei Otani. Uh, so uh, just, yeah, I mean, interesting character uh, was worth a, a minor league deal with an invite to spring, I guess it was. And, uh, yeah, why why not? You could you could <laughs> you could be one of those uh you know fringe guys that really impresses in spring. It'll be interesting to watch. Hey, uh, some pitching prospects, sorry Nick, <laughs> that are uh invited to spring this year. Chase McDermott, Cade Povich, Justin Armbruster. Do you think any of them have a chance to if not make the team, at least impress enough where it's like, okay, we need an arm. These guys showed out in spring, they're doing well and give them a chance. Well, I know Justin Arm Brewster's a, a, a you know has a lot of support on this show. Uh, you know, not just an org guy. <laughs> um I I think the likelier path is that um especially Chase McDermott that we may see him get a look as reliever this season, um maybe not as a starter unless something haywire happens and they really need another um, arm up there. Um, I mean, he was invited to Berlin Caravan, which means that he is higher on their radar um, and that they are interested in his future and that they see him as part of their future. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he particularly gets a look 
as a reliever, maybe even a long reliever uh, this year, just to sort of get him that experience up in the majors before they have a spot for him as a starter. I just had one more quick question before we uh, we wrap up. With we had some patrons that wanted you guys ask some quick questions as well. But Adley, um, just out of personal curiosity, only eighteen players in baseball had more plate appearances than Adley did last year. And I think if you look at like just catchers, only two had more than six hundred plate appearances, and like third on the list is like a hundred something fewer than Adley. Do you guys think that? we see him take more days off this upcoming year and to, for hopefully for what is hopefully a deep playoff run or, I mean, you guys are there in the clubhouse talk with him. Is, is that who he is? He's that guy that's going to go out there for 600 plus plate appearances every year for the next couple of years. Look, Adelaide sees DHing as a day off. So <laughs> I, I wanted to, I mean, the number may go down a little bit, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it stays the same. All right, so to wrap up, we had Tony. Where'd he go? Tony in the Patreon group. Shout out, Tony. Uh, he wanted to ask you both, uh, what are some under-the-radar storylines uh, to watch this spring? We might have touched on this a little bit, but any other storylines that we didn't touch on uh, that you are personally interested in following up on as uh, players start arriving here in the next couple of days? Yeah, I mean, Kate, Kate Povich and Chase McDermott. I'm interested just to see you know, what they kind of look like and, and whether they could, you know, mess around for, you know, a look as a, as a fifth starter. I think that it's a super long shot, uh, whether, you know, for a rotation spot, but, um, I'm, I'm very interested to see if, if, if they can develop into a, you know, pretty reliable major league arm. And it's not a make or break spring for either of them. They, they can ease, you know, spend more time in, you know, the minors It's not going to be a, you know, a, a, a huge, you know, hindrance on any development uh, probably will help them, honestly, uh, spending a lot more time as a starter in the minors uh, rather than being a bullpen guy uh, at, in the major league level. But it, it could be interesting to see if one of them is one of those like dark horse, uh, you know, long guys out of the bullpen. I am intrigued to learn more about Drew French, the new pitching coach. Um, mm -hmm. I think to me, um, a pitching coach is a very important part of his team. Um, he's never been a major league pitching coach, but he has a deep history of Elias and some of these other staff members. Um, we don't really know much about him yet, um, and I'm intrigued to hear about him, hear how his coaching style differs. Any That's coaching crazy. profiles you guys want to want to throw out there, I am all about that. So uh, <laughs> story ideas for the spring. We got you. <laughs> Personally, I'm looking forward to David Rubenstein's uh, press conference when that's officially announced. But uh, from Yoni in our patron group, who has the better season, Danny Coulomb, Coulomb sorry, or Cianel Perez? And I guess Andy's answer is Nick Vespi. So, Daniel? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, I think Danny Coulomb is the safer answer. But I would not be surprised if we saw Cionel take a step forward this year. So that's kind of a wishy-washy answer because I didn't fully answer it. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. You answered for me. Oh, Nick, okay. Uh, Danny Coulomb of, 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 yeah, of, of that question. I think Danny Coulomb has the better year. I'll leave it I there. do like that. that I, someone on Twitter, sorry for not remembering who it was, tweeted out that Perez's improvements in the second half had to do with moving from a four-seamer to a two-seamer, more of a sinker. So be interesting to see if that continues. Well, Andy, Danielle, thank you both so much for your insight. You and your colleagues at the Banner do really excellent work covering the team 
And it's a little bit of everything over at the banner right now. You've got the live chats that you run sometimes during the week. You've also got the articles. You've also got the point, which is a sports newsletter that goes out a few times a week. So can you tell our listeners what's uh, to expect spring training coverage wise over at the banner? Everything. More the same. Yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. big plans. We have probably the largest team, I believe, coming down to cover spring training this year. Uh, Paul McConnor, our social media manager, will be there. We're a photographer there. Andy and I are both here basically the whole time. John Mioli will be here. Our columnist, Kyle Goon, will be here. So we plan on covering everything and anything related to the Orioles. Yeah, expect deep dives in, in features from Danielle and I. Uh, there's going to be analysis from, from the entire group. Uh, John Mioli knows minor league baseball prospects like nobody's business. Um, except for you guys, of course, uh, you know, it's, yeah, expect, uh, you know, now's a great time to subscribe because you get six months for a dollar and then you get right to postseason, and then, and then you can pay us more money to continue subscribing for postseason. Truly the best coverage. So if you're not signed up, definitely do it. You guys are the best. Thanks for joining us. Thanks guys. Thank you. That does it for this episode of Orioles on the Verge. We will be back next week. In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook. X, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. We're also over at Substack, OriolesOnTheVerge.Substack.com, and you can become a member of our Patreon community where we are continuing our Top 50 Prospects Countdown. You don't want to miss that. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spud, and you've been listening to Orioles on the Verge, part of the Believe Podcast Network. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.